Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and we are streaming live from the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Studio today. And we are going to be talking about a subject that is very near and dear to our hearts and a passion of ours and something we do a lot at Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy, and that is help women with weight loss. So as you know, we specialize in compounding hormones at Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy, but we also talk about the importance of strength training, the importance of diet. Um, all those things are a piece of the puzzle. And today we have the special um, occasion of having Alana on our show today. And she is going to talk about a little bit about her. She's a type 1 diabetic. And she helps Kathy Cote, who has been on our podcast before, to help. Um, she's kind of a Kathy's assistant. She helps um, women um, lose weight in menopause by strength training and by she's certified health. Kathy's a certified health coach and she promotes strength training and, and diet and things like that. So without further ado, Alana, welcome to our show. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about a background of yours. So tell us how your, your uh, background again about being a type one diabetic. Tell us about that and when you, when you were diagnosed and, and how that has um, basically made you change your diet and lifestyle, I'm assuming it has. So tell us about that. Uh, so I became a type 1 diabetic when I was almost nine. Uh, my dad it was also a type 1 diabetic. Um, and it was very hard and also very like, I was like, yay, I get to be like my dad. <laughs> Um, but I also didn't like fully understand all the stuff that needed to be put into it. Um, so it was a good two weeks in the hospital until my mom could learn everything. Um, and then it was really like trial and error. So usually when somebody is first diagnosed, uh, they have a honeymoon stage um, and this stage is where the body is still producing insulin, but not enough to cover everything. And they never know when it's going to like start working or stop working. So I think for probably the first four or five years, I was in a honeymoon stage of constantly adjusting and seeing where things needed to be. Um, it was a lot of food logging and keeping track of everything. Um, back when I was diagnosed, it was very like adamant for someone to stay in the same carb range consistently every day so they could see the differences um, in blood sugars and what the insulin was doing. But then you also have a kid being a kid and wanting to like run around and be normal. <laughs> right. Um, I would say in my teen years, it was more difficult because I wasn't comfortable with my diagnosis. It was kind of embarrassing, especially when you bring out a syringe and insulin and kids are like, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> um, so I would say it was definitely more rough in my teens and I didn't take care of myself as well as I should have. I knew what to do. Um, but 
being fitting in was more important at the time. Uh, I think at that point, my highest A1C was probably in the eights. Um, and normal range is obviously 6.4 or lower. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until like I graduated high school and wanted to be out in the world that I just wanted more <laughs> and what I was doing was not working. Um, so my doctors at the time were not very kind and I pretty much always felt like I was getting yelled at every time I went. Um, and I decided I finally wanted to try an insulin pump. Um, when I was first diagnosed, they were just starting the process of like putting insulin pumps out there and all the horror stories I had heard. I was like, no, I'll just keep taking injections. I don't need something to accidentally give me like a whole vial of insulin. Um, and so my doctor was like, we're not putting you on a pump until you can show us that you can keep your blood sugars in control. So for three months, I checked my blood sugar multiple times a day. I made sure that I was covering everything that I needed to. And my A1C got to where the threshold that they wanted, which was seven. Um, and I think I surprised him more than anything. (laughs) He was like, what did you do in the last three months to get your A1C this low (laughs) that quickly? And I was like, I want this. And I did everything that I've been taught to do. I checked my blood sugar. I ate and covered my food with my insulin and made sure that I kept a close eye on it. Um, So I've pretty much been on an insulin pump ever since. (laughs) It's been, I'm going to age myself. It's been like 15 years for me being on an insulin pump. And I really enjoy not having to do all of the math all the time. (laughs) Because it's a lot of math. Yeah, yeah, definitely is having a. I have a nephew who's a type one diabetic, and I remember when he was first newly diagnosed, it was calculating carbs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you have to calculate but, carbs. You have to calculate how like sensitive you are to the insulin, yeah. depending on where your blood sugar is. Do you decrease a certain amount or increase a certain amount? So yeah, there's a lot of a lot of calculations that go into it that pumps nowadays make a difference. Well, um, I'm assuming, I'm assuming this, um, because you're type one diabetic and you're familiar with what food does to people's blood sugars, um, at least yours personally, I'm assuming that that's one of the reasons that, um, you may have trans transitioned into helping, you know, be kind assistant. I'm sure it's helped you to know, um, some of the things about diet and how insulin response, because even if we're not a diabetic, we still have to worry about carbs and insulin response, although it's just that diabetics are more sensitive that way. So you have any comments on that about, is that kind of what um, had you go into um, the, the field that, that you're in? 
Yeah, so I've always been interested in scientific side of things. Um, I, in college, wanted to be a nurse and decided that I wanted a family a little bit more, so I didn't pursue that. But I did get my allied health certificate um, and took all the heart classes. And one of the nutrition classes that I had to take was actually really intriguing, Um, learning more about our food and what we've done to mess it up along the way. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I've just always been intrigued in that kind of stuff. And probably in 2019, I started focusing a little bit more on diet and exercise. Um, And Kathy is actually married to my cousin. (laughs) Oh, okay. And so we're we're related, um, but that's not why she hired me. We've Honestly, I've probably spoken to them a handful of times in my life. (laughs) Um, And it just so happened that when I was there, gosh, two years ago now, um, for my aunt's 80th birthday party, I stayed with them and me and Kathy got chatting and whatever I said to her stuck with her and she called me up last February and asked me if I wanted to work for her. Awesome. 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 So you've been doing a year now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's been a little over a year now. Awesome. So Janet, what questions do you have for Lena? Well, I I just want to make a little statement here first, because we're assuming all the listeners know the difference between a type one and a type two. So in Elena's case, her body's not making insulin anymore, right? It, or it does very little. And a lot of times we don't know exactly why. It could be genetic. It could be inflammation of some sort. But it's very different than type 2, even though there are similarities. So can you kind of give us some differences? Because I think sometimes we need to, to separate those because people want to lump them together and they're really different. They are really different. Um, Yeah, so it is a theory and a very good one from all of the type ones that I've also talked to is that there is a stressor on the body that happens Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. to make somebody a type 1 diabetic. For me, I had strep throat 11 times. Mm. um, And after that, my body was like, okay, we're going to attack itself. (laughs) Right. Um, and for type two diabetics, it's more insulin resistance than right. not making insulin. Uh, so instead of the body being able to utilize the insulin that it has, it doesn't know what to do with it. So it just doesn't use it the way that it should. It doesn't accept the amount that it's being given. Um, and the major difference is that just getting more exercise really helps insulin resistance (laughs) and moving your body. Um, A lot of people end up doing low carb for that reason. Um, I've done low carb and it really doesn't make that much of a difference 
to me, honestly, I didn't like full carb because I didn't have as much energy. Um, and I just didn't ever feel fully satisfied with what I was doing. Um, it did make my blood sugars like easier to control. Um, but yeah, type type twos definitely have it a little rougher in the sense that they really got to work hard <laughs> to well, although I, their I, body. I, yeah. I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I, I would, <laughs> I would argue that, that I think type ones yeah. have it harder because your disease, Alana, is not reversible. Right. You're not going to match. It's not start reversible. Right. But and I'm not going to have habit. nearly as many complications as somebody. But the good news is with type two yeah. diabetics is they can reverse it. Um, you know, and, and one of the ways to reverse type two diabetes is just don't eat carbohydrates because it's, you know, it's totally different with insulin levels. One has high insulin, one has no insulin and really, but they both have high glucose and the way to lower, one of the ways to lower your glucose is if you're type two diabetic is just don't eat carbs. Um, I think that would be better than having to inject insulin all day long and having to monitor your glucose. Um, if you just change your diet and you say, like you say, exercise, you know, they can reverse their type two diabetes. Correct. But we still have the same issue in the sense that our livers still do their job and give us that extra sugar spike. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, oh, so yeah, I, there's definitely a lot of similarities. I've always felt like, yes, the type one diabetic seems to have it more rough, but I wouldn't, the complications that come along with a type two diabetic are so much greater if you don't take care of it. I mean, well, I they're pretty they're significant for us too. But yeah. Right. Right. As a person a, that right. takes care of herself, like I know I'm not going to like lose my foot because. Right. But you're forced to, you're forced to really early because you can't produce the insulin. So your consequences were felt very suddenly and early on. Where I feel like a type two, it's a very gradual thing over their life. You know, by the time they're diagnosed, their activity and their habits have already formed, and that that problem wasn't diagnosed for a very long time. So you were forced into that corner, and you had to address it much earlier. So the damage, I think, can be you know on a different scale, but certainly I, I agree with you. There's similarities on how you have to approach, and and the outcomes of of um, the consequences you know, blindness, losing limbs, things like that are still there because it's too much sugar floating in the body. Yeah. Yeah, that's the main, that's the main thing they have in common is that they have too much sugar floating in the body, but how it manifests itself is different. Right, right. right. So, Alana, tell us. Tell us how this has helped you to help women in menopause lose weight. I'm sure it has because we already talked a little bit about, you know, how important diet is. Yeah, so... I, I'm more behind the scenes. Um, I do a lot of the Facebook posts and I chat with some of the ladies and everything. Um, as for my experience, diet nutrition is definitely key to a lot of people's issues, um, especially with weight loss. Um, I, seen it myself. I watched myself 
fluctuate over the years and I could never figure out like why I would gain and then why I would lose. And it's been really educational uh, to see Kathy's side of things, the way she coaches, um, how she became a coach and all the stuff that she has learned along the way. Um, I've definitely started utilizing that more in my life because just like many women out there, we all get stuck in the diet culture, um, jargon. That's just constantly like, don't do this, do this and work out more, eat less, uh, make sure that you stop eating by 8 PM, like all of the tips that people think that work. And it turns out that's not the case at all. (laughs) Well, and and, and the the good thing is, is that there's a lot of information out there and it's pretty easily accessible, but it can be overwhelming. Right. And and one thing Janet and I talk about all the time is there's a lot of different things. Low carb, low carb works for some people. Um, You know, keto or um, intermittent fasting works for some people. Um, you got to find out what works for an individual. They got to find out what works for them. And as, as healthcare professionals, um, we, you know, we can give them tools to help them, uh, but ultimately they have to find out what works best for them. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, for all the women that I've chatted to that have tried diet after diet and just keep trying, they haven't had that light bulb turn on yet that they just need to pick one that they really enjoy and stick to it. Yeah. Right. What can they stick with? That's right. the important part. Yeah. Cause you can't starve yourself forever and exercise and never eat because you have to have that balance too, or you can't be doing something that you absolutely hate for the rest of your life. You know, that's hard too. Right. Right. Tell, tell us a little bit about Catalyst Fitness. I'm going to just uh, put in there, um, Kathy stresses a lot about um, strength training for women. Um, can yeah. you tell us a little bit about Catalyst Fitness and, and nutrition and about Kathy? Yeah, so Kathy has been into fitness like since I've known her. Uh, but within the past five years, I mean... We watched her transform um, into a body that, you know, we never thought was possible at 50. (laughs) And it was truly an amazing process. And now, since she has found something that worked for her that she didn't think was possible, she is started Catalyst Fitness and Nutrition to help others do the same. So she wants to utilize what she's learned and help other women feel better about themselves, not have such a horrible relationship with food, and feel good in their body again. And tell us how she stresses. She used to be a um, – she used to uh, ride an indoor bike a lot, I believe. She's an instructor. Is that correct? She used to do a spin class yeah, spin instruction. Class. Yeah, yeah. Right. She used to have uh, her own gym, um, and right before COVID, she ended up ditching all that and 
got a coach. <laughs> well, the game changer for her was strength training, right? Correct. Yeah. Strength training for sure. Uh, she always did a lot of cardio. I mean, I've done a lot of cardio. Most of the women I chat with do a lot of cardio. And although cardio is important for your heart, it's not the only thing that you should be doing because how else are you going to maintain the muscle that you already have? And when women get to 40 and their hormones start to change, everyone used to always say, Oh, getting old. Like that's part of getting old. You lose your muscle, you lose your muscle tone. Like it's all gone. And that's just the way it is. And it's not, it's, we just never, learned that we needed to keep up with it and to maintain something you have to actually strength train to maintain that muscle well i think that's one thing that we forget and i mean inevitably we can't stop the aging process but there are things we can do to slow it down at least at least perception wise um and i will say over the last 20 years and it's partly because i'm getting older um you know, it seems like the bar of old is, is is different. It was 40, then it was 50, 60, 70. I mean, we have 70-year-old um, patients that are, you know, they, they exercise routinely. They look great. They have muscle mass. Um, you know, they don't look like your typical 70-year-old would look, but they take care of themselves. And, and one of the things you have to do to do that is to strength train. Sarcopenia and losing, losing lean body mass is, is a real thing. And for women, especially as we age, as, as they age, it gets a lot tougher. So build as much muscle mass as, mass as you can early on to, so you can maintain it. Right. And I, I also think one other thing that we aren't talking about, but it's an advantage of doing the, the muscle training is our bones need to have that weight bearing part too. And when we are, I think by the time we're 30, we have the most bone we're ever going to have. And then we start going on a decline. So Osteoporosis is, is huge there. So even if you, you're afraid about having muscles, you, you ladies really need to make sure your bones are healthy too. And the only way you can do that is by using um, weights because you have to have resistance in order for those bones to be rebuilding and be strong. Not the only way, but well, most cardio spin bikes, spin bike will not build your that's run, running well. You're, you're not going to get it by by certain exercises. Okay. So weight-bearing things must happen in order, I mean, because they're not static. They they change over time. We replace and, you know, we rebuild. And if we're not putting stress on it, it's not going to happen the right. way we need it to happen. Right, exactly. Yeah, for sure. No, osteoporosis is a big one. Um, it comes up a lot in conversation um, when I'm talking to ladies in the group. And you don't realize it until it's in your face and yeah, all okay. of the things, <laughs> all the things that you should have been doing. They were like, why weren't you doing them? And yeah. well, no one told me. Right. And we can't talk about osteoporosis without talking about the importance of hormones. Um, there's a lot of osteoporosis drugs out there and every single one is indicated for postmenopausal women. Well, what do postmenopausal women lack? They lack hormones. So it's important to make sure your hormones are balanced so you can have strong, strong bones and do strength training. Yeah. So, Alana, as we wind this podcast up, um, what do you have a passion for? 
Uh, honestly, my passion is for nutrition and that's always been like a big focus in my life. Um, I, both my parents have passed. I am only 35. So, and I'm an only child. Wow. So I definitely think nutrition is high up there to having a long life. Um, and I definitely don't want to die as young as my parents did. Um, because they didn't take care of their bodies the way they should have. And nutrition is key. We get all the nutrients that we need are in foods. And we don't utilize it nearly enough. Or even have, like, do you ever see a commercial for broccoli? Or that's, like, not a jolly green giant, like... If they had commercials out there about what foods were doing for your body, people would be eating way different than a box of mac and cheese. Yeah, or, or worse than that, even. I mean, honestly, that's mac and cheese could be good compared to some of the stuff that's out there. Um, so, yeah, it's important that obviously nutrition is very important. And uh, being a type 1 diabetic, you, you obviously know that how food affects your blood sugar. So, um, what is the best? We're going to go ahead and stream Kathy's uh, Facebook page. What is another way to get a hold of um, Kathy if uh, we have any questions for? Uh, Messenger, Instagram. Okay. She also has a TikTok. Who knows? There we go. Right there. So tell us about this. So she can mess. She'll take messages on there. Yep. You can hit the blue button that says message. And that'll bring you to either me or Kathy. You'll get one of us. Um, and we can chat about what we can do to help guide you into a better lifestyle and make you feel like you did when you were 20 or 30. Feeling good in your body and having more energy and balancing the hormones naturally. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely possible. I, I follow that Facebook group and I see a lot of women that are new there that are, you know, saying the same thing. Uh, you know, since I've turned 45, I'm in menopause. I can't lose weight. I'm not changing my diet and I, you know, I'm not doing anything different. I just can't lose my belly fat. And a lot of, a lot of comments like that. And it, it you know, join Kathy's group. Um, she can help you. She struggled with herself and she's overcame that. So she knows personally um, how to overcome those things. So um, Alana, thank you for being on our show today. We really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. And um, thank you for helping Kathy and inspiring women and helping women, you know, achieve their goals. Um, we really appreciate that. That's what Janet and I, our goal is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. And I think we've realized that goal today on the podcast. So you've helped us. So thank you so much, Alana. Yes, thank you for having me. You're welcome. And listeners and viewers, thank you for tuning in today to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Tune in Thursday, uh, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Uh, we're going to have Dr. Renata Moon back on our podcast. We're going to be discussing uh, medical education and how it's uh, kind of been hijacked a little bit. So you don't want to miss out on that one. Uh, Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you for tuning in today.